Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to the Big Red Bench in Cork's Red FM. I am Valerie Wheeler and I'm with you until 7pm tonight. We have a very busy show and I'm celebrating six months on the Big Red Bench every Saturday night, which is absolutely amazing. So on the show tonight, we have Cork Hurling Captain Patrick Horgan. I caught up with him during the week at the launch of the new sponsor of Cork GA, that is Sports Direct. We're going to chat all about the New Jersey uh, hurling during a pandemic. He's love for Tom Brady. Um, a massive love for Brady the Super Bowl and a lot more with him Ireland are also in action tomorrow for the Six Nations so we have a big preview Johnny Sexton we have forwards coach Paul O'Connell and Will O'Callaghan from Off the Ball on News Talk will join me to preview that action so we have all that and more on the Big Red, big red Bench on Cork's Red FM Well, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench and me, Valerie. What a busy show. So the Six Nations got underway today. France got their 2021 Guinness Six Nations campaign. Um, a comfortable win, a 50 points to 10 victory over Italy in Rome this afternoon. So that's absolutely wonderful. A bit a little later on the show, we will be previewing Ireland's game. But first, this week, Cork J confirmed that Sports Direct will be the principal partner of Cork J for the next five years. They launched a new jersey on Thursday, but now joining me is one of the best hurlers in the country. Um, if not the best it is Cork captain Patrick Horgan Patrick welcome to the Big Red Bench nice one nice one Patrick how how have you been how has life been in lockdown for you so far Uh, I suppose it's been uh, I suppose it's actually getting easier in a weird way it's just becoming the norm Uh, just being locked in home getting out for an hour to do a small bit of training maybe every day Uh, I'm back home then I suppose work from home Um, we just don't know when we have. Uh, we just don't know when we're going to be back playing. So we we don't know what uh, how much training to do or how little to do. But look, the whole country is like this, and there's people worse off than us. Like so, um, we'll just uh, have to get on with it for now, and hopefully we'll be back in within a month or two. Yeah, last year when I was chatting to a few of the players, when you were having a bit of a lull and a bit of a break during quarantine, a lot of them seemed to enjoy the time off. Were you one of those, or were you itching to get back? Uh. Uh, you would like you enjoy a bit of the time, but at the same time, uh, we're hurlers and like uh, we just need to be need to be going. We need to be training uh, a few times a week and meeting up and getting prepared for games and stuff. But it's been strange for the last year and all like that. Uh, nothing's really you can't take anything serious anymore. Like after after seeing this uh, kind of pandemic thing, so um, anytime we get out and play in the field, it's a bit of a bonus, like you know. And how do you keep yourself motivated? I mean, mentally and physically, it probably can't be that. Like, it probably took its toll at some stage. Uh, no, like, like for me, I just prefer, I just like um, getting out of the house and doing, just getting my general fitness, like, you know, going out for a walk uh, in the evening or do a run now or something or even go for a puck around. Like, it's not it's not too strenuous on the, on the mind, like, you know, so uh, I don't mind it at all, like, so I'm fine. Good last year probably was a strange for you. You know, you didn't have much time in the championship, and being off for so long probably didn't suit you. You probably would have liked a bit more preparation time for the championship. Yeah, it was tough. Um, I suppose with the little time we got to prepare and stuff for for the first round, um, we actually went out against Waterford and shot uh, double digit wides in the first quarter, which kind of blew our chances really. Uh, 
Waterford are really good as well on the day in fairness to them. They turned out to be a really good side throughout the whole year. So um I suppose moving on to the Dublin game was a good performance out of us. Uh and then the tip game we can just got caught like uh I think we played really well in the first half against the probably the strongest win they've ever played uh, played with played against. Uh to go in two points down like it felt like you were going in nearly up, I suppose, on the scoreboard, but came out at half time, it was all kind of levelled off. There wasn't the conditions were like perfect again. So uh Tip just took two goal chances in the second half and uh yeah, fully deserved a win and we just left it out there again, I suppose. And uh yeah, we just have to put all all those little things uh right now coming here. Yeah, and I suppose that's what you are going to do. It's probably not hard that you're not able to, you know, gather together and work on them, but I suppose everyone's going to be in the same boat. But you have made some changes to the team this year. I know there's some youth coming in and some um, some maybe not so youth leaving and a lot of retirements, which must be strange for you because, you know, you've played with these guys for a couple of years now and now they're not going to be there in the team with you. The likes of Anthony Nash, Stephen MacDonald. Yeah, um, I suppose there's there's four or five boys there: Walsh, uh, Joycey, Lehan. They've all been great players for Cork for uh, I suppose the last ten years, and it's hard for me to see them go like being such good friends with them. Um, but I suppose at the same time, ten years ago when they got their chance, uh, they had to take someone's uh, position, like you know. So um, no doubt that the young fellas we have coming onto the panel like will be given an opportunity, and no doubt they'll take it and um, they'll slot right in, hopefully, and uh, we'll just move on. I'm sure they'll be hot in your heels too for your jersey. Without a doubt. <laughs> well, look, I'm sure you'll hold on to it for another while. I know it was a short year last year for you, but, um, you know, I'm not saying you're old at this stage, but you're kind of, you know, you're with one of the ages that the lads are leaving the team and there's no sign of you leaving yet, which is great for us and great for car curling. But you seem to want to keep going for another while. Oh, definitely. Um, I was only saying today... Uh, like I feel probably fitter now than I did when I was 22 so uh, that's a bit of a bonus uh, it's just strange to me I suppose uh, the strength and conditioning goes with, with teams now and stuff that um, just makes you feel great like I feel great going training like I train probably every day um, same with everyone on the team we're all at a really high level of fitness like when we're in with the panel and um, yeah uh, I suppose 33 this year uh, it sounds like oh He's getting on a bit, but um, no, I, I feel good and uh, I'll make as much of it as I can of, uh, of it. So hopefully there's another uh, five or six years in it. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of Cork people will be delighted to hear that now on the Big Red Bench tonight. Another five, six years of having you on the team. But um, I know you're a big fan of the uh, NFL and it seems that you're going to probably be the Tom Brady of hurling if you're going to if you're going to have that attitude. Oh, Tom. Uh, no, he's... Uh, He's some man. Uh, he's on again uh, tomorrow night. Uh, so I probably won't sleep now again tonight waiting for that. So um, I'm excited for it, even though I get a bit of stick now because uh, I'm a Patriots fan, but I'm a Brady man. Like So uh, they just wait for any opportunity to pounce on me about it now. So... <laughs> yeah, you changed your stripes. It was simple as that. You followed, you followed Brady. You didn't care about the Pats, did you? Ah, uh, you know, no, like you know, I have to keep supporting them. But like when you see, uh, when you see what Brady can do at his age, like uh, it's just unbelievable. Like for anybody in any sport to do it, let alone such a such an elite sport like uh, in the NFL, when the average career is like two years, I think. So uh, 
to be doing what he's doing like is just something to look up to and uh, you know he's just the king like yeah, it's his tenth appearance. I think it could be his sixth win, as far as I'm aware of, on Sunday. But you have been to a few games. Yeah, I've been to to one for the last, I suppose, uh, six or seven years. Uh, maybe not last, you know, over this COVID. But um, yeah, I hope. I think they're playing. Uh, they'll be playing the Patriots next year, and please God, I'll get over and uh, see him playing against them. I mean, the Super Bowl is probably your dream sporting event to be at, is it? Yeah, that'd be nice, obviously, to go to. Uh, probably no chance of ever going to it, like. But even even the normal games are brilliant. Like, there's a real, uh, there's a good, um, I suppose, atmosphere around the whole day, like, and big kind of party kind of atmosphere around. You know, it's not just about the game. There's so much more to it, and uh, yeah, that's I enjoy it. And sure, once a year is good to get away. So you're gonna stay up into the early hours of Sunday morning to watch this. Whatever it takes to see him win. That's that's what I do. You know, I'll. Uh, I'll see as it goes. Like uh, <laughs> he's he's given me a couple of heart attacks in these games before. Like so, I'm I'm probably going to get another one this uh, this Sunday. I read somewhere this is a strange fact, but I read somewhere that on Sunday in America they're going to consume one point one point three billion chicken wings. How weird is that? It's, it's probably not all, all they consume, but it's it's like we actually don't think much of it over here. Like, but over there, it's like uh, the biggest thing like ever for even nor- like normal people like that have no interest in anything. That's just their day, like you know. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it, and hopefully, you can get number seven. Yeah, it's probably their All Ireland final. But back to our own sport here in Ireland. I know um, a lot of people are looking forward to seeing you in action this year. That whether it be the fans be at the stadium or not, and obviously we'd all like to see them back in the stadium. What's it been like having the games without them? Because Cork supporters are very, very loyal to you and very loud. Yeah, uh, it's it's probably it's tough. Like there's no there's no getting away from that. That um, when the stadium is full, um, it gives a different kind of buzz. Uh, you pre- like you. It's not that you prepare differently, but uh, in the back of your mind, you know, like the night before you go to bed, like uh, for a big game, that you know tomorrow when you wake up, you're going to be playing in front of like so many thousand people, and um, that kind of gives its own buzz, like, and it keeps you up for an extra couple of minutes at night there before you uh, before you fall asleep, and you're up early the next morning eating right and just making sure you've all the boxes ticked, and like it's it's a, it's a nerve wracking thing. That's where the nerves come from, like you know. Uh, and it's it's brilliant so it's a big loss like that people can't go into the same especially Cork uh, fans because when they're when they're there and you give them something to, to cheer about they'll definitely always get in behind you so uh, the sooner we can have them back uh, the better Is there anything strange or weird or different you do as a ritual the night before maybe the morning of the game that we we should know about you need to give us something No uh, it's actually very straightforward Uh I just I do it I just do I the same routine um every time. Like there's just there's nothing doesn't it's not even a routine. Whatever happens on the day happens. Uh and I suppose I I would get up early probably the the following day, no, but no, there's there's nothing there's nothing too much. No, no right sock on first and then the left one, no nah, phrase like geez. that. Nah, if that was the case, that I, I wouldn't <laughs> have time to play the match. <laughs> Well, look, we did mention earlier on that there was, you know, a new change to the team. And obviously with Don O'Grady being brought in this year as well, it must be something to look forward to. It must be something fresh, something new. Yeah, um, I really, I'm looking forward to, to working with him more. Um, I suppose we've been doing a small bit on Zoom with him uh, 
at the moment and uh, he's a great hurling brain and uh, just debunks things off and uh, would be very exciting for all the panel like you know he understands um, all the positions on the field and uh, all the different kind of movements that um, create space and, and, and cut down space in defence so um, it'll be interesting um, and we're looking forward like we have had some chats but uh, obviously hands on on the field like will be uh, a lot better and we're really looking forward to that yeah, I know. And you are joining us tonight because we are launching the new Cork sponsorship, Sports Direct. They have become the official partner of Cork GA for the next five years. I know this partnership has caused a bit of controversy, but for you, it's probably, you know, do you look past that controversy online and just look forward to being having a partner that would like to help you out in the best way possible? Oh yeah, like um, we're, like we're players at the end of the day, and we'll um, we'll prime the jersey and and uh, play no matter what. But like uh, Sports Direct have uh, sponsored Glen for the last three, I think three years. It could be more. Um, sponsored Glen for the last three years, and they've been brilliant. Um, I know that they got into the the county scene. I think um, a lot of people's opinions, if if they have a bad opinion, will change. I know that because they're very um, enthusiastic about getting in and uh, you know making a good like a good name for themselves uh, in that scene and they've certainly done so with the Glen and um, I know they can do the same with Cork. You know, the jersey isn't bad looking. We've all got to deliver it here today. We've seen it on you. You're modelling it online as well. It actually looks nice. Without the blue, I'm sure that everyone was expecting it to be the massive Sports Direct logo, but it's not. It's plain white and it suits the jersey. Yeah, it's a nice job and uh, even I've seen a few pictures of a uh, training gear last year uh, training gear a couple of weeks ago uh, for the coming year and uh, that looks really nice too so uh, yeah looking forward to everything getting back and getting going Brilliant I'm sure you'll all be running around Parky Cueve with flashy boots as well I know <laughs> if we if we ever get into the park again uh, yeah it's like it can only all be good like you know what I mean um, we're just like as players we're just looking forward to getting back and, and being the best we can be on the field. Anything off the field uh, will be looked after by other people, but we'll be as best we can on the field. Brilliant. Before I let you go, you did mention the Glen. What was it like having that wind of opportunity last year, you know, to solely focus on the club? I know you might miss a lot of training and stuff because you're so heavily involved in the county panel. It must have been nice to have that time just for the Glen. Oh, yeah, it was good. Um, like, we really enjoy, like, I always enjoy uh, hur- going back, hurling the Glen, always. Um like it's it's a, a really high level of training there as well, so um, it's good all round. And I suppose having that time with all the with all the boys was brilliant. Um, but it was just even at, even at that, like the Glen usually have a, a massive crowd following as well, like you know. So uh, to not have them there as well, like uh, kind of was a bit upsetting as well because uh, you know, like it's 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 good to have uh, if you if you've uh, a crowd that cheer you on as much as the Glen supporters do. Um, it would have been nice if we could have had them in there even county final day like you know yeah no of course and I'm sure everyone will look forward to it. and hopefully once that vaccine runs out we'll be able to get a few fans back in the stadium but thank you for joining us on the big red bench uh, tonight Patrick it's been great to have you at the launch of Sports Direct the brand new sponsors of Cork GA thanks nice one Cork captain Patrick Horgan I'd love nothing more 
than for him to walk up the steps of the Hogan this year. So fingers crossed being captain and all, lift that trophy and get his well-deserved medal. So that was Patrick Horgan. If you did miss some of that, I will be podcasting the chat a little later on on the Big Reg Bench Twitter. Right. Ireland kick off their Six Nations campaign tomorrow with a tough trip. They're playing Wales in Cardiff. During the week, uh, Captain Johnny Sexton was speaking ahead of the vital opening clash. Let's take a listen. Yeah, uh, trained fully today with the with the group. Thankfully, I got through that okay. So, uh, all available for selection. Um, and yeah, the group, we, we trained well today. The lads had a good hit out at the weekend. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to the weekend now. Um, I think it is, I suppose... It only feels like I said before. It only feels yeah, uh, like yesterday since we were finishing up the the Autumn Nations Cup and and disappointing end of the Six Nations, the last campaign for us. So, in many ways, it's been good. We've 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 hit the ground running. We've got. Uh, it doesn't feel like we've gone backwards. It feels like we're just uh, we we've taken off from where we left uh, the last campaign, which is great. Where do you feel in, were in relation to England and France? Well, time will tell, won't it? Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter how much we talk about it or how good we say things are in camp. We have to put out performances that reflect that and we have to get results that reflect that also. So, um, you know, we can believe one thing, but, you know, until we go out and prove it on the pitch and um, play to our potential and, you know, get the results that we feel that we, we need to get with, within this group, well, then, you know, we, we all know our progress we all know how close we are to England and France um, but we don't play France for two weeks we play Wales this week and uh, that's all our focus is on that and making sure we get the campaign off to a good start Johnny Ireland haven't uh, won a Six Nations game in Cardiff since 2013 why can it be different this weekend? Yeah it's a tough place to go Sinead. like they're the all Welsh teams they're, they're very tough to play against at all times but you know especially in Cardiff um, there's not many teams that go there and get a win we haven't done it in a long time um, you know we, the last time we won it uh, the first game we, en- we ended up having an injury crisis and we came second last so um, it wasn't a great campaign even though we got it off to the best possible start hopefully we can we can start this weekend in the same fashion and, and then keep things going so uh, look like I said we haven't honestly spoken a day past Sunday or thought of a day past Sunday everything has been geared up since we met up last Wednesday everything's been geared towards you know this game and um, we know how important it is you know to build a bit of momentum in this tournament and that the way we can start that is by is by putting out a good performance first and foremost and, and hoping that the results will take care of itself if we can play uh, really really well because we're going to have to we're going to have to if we want to beat a like a Welsh team away from home An empty Principality Stadium though is that going to be a bit of a leveller do you think? Um, you can look at it that way yeah definitely um, you can also look at it sometimes when you play there the crowd are so passionate about the game and when things aren't going I remember that game in 2013 we got on top early and we, we were playing really really well and the crowd you know got on top of the Welsh team at that stage so sometimes if you start well with a full crowd and things are quiet that can work in your favour now it's you know it's, it's going to be quiet but um, look it is what it is um, we're, we're, we're well used to playing in empty stadiums at this stage I don't think it's something that we've even spoken about um, at the moment but um, you know Cardiff is traditionally one of the best places to go and yeah we wish we wish we did have 80,000 crazy 
Welshmen in there shouting on because it, it, it creates a great atmosphere. It was very special atmosphere and it's a very special game. So we'll miss them. But uh, yeah, if it is a leveller, it's not something we spoke about. Do you think that the attack has to be more effective? Do you have to score more tries for to for to try and push on and win the Six Nations? Um, yeah, we need to. We, we probably need to be a bit more clinical. I think we scored the most tries in last year's Six Nations. Uh, did we? I, I, I think we did. Um, but yeah, we, we, we need to be more clinical. We've cr- we created a lot in, in a lot of those games. Um, you know, if we talk about the last campaign and we didn't quite finish them, and you know, the top teams do. You know, take their chances, and, and we need to get better, especially when you consider. The French game, the one that cost us ultimately was we had a lot of entries into their 22 and didn't come away with anything. So, yeah, we, we've spoken about being a bit more ruthless and, uh, yeah, hopefully that will lead to a few more uh, tries. But, like I said, I think we, we had a good try scoring record last year. Can I just ask you one final question just about Paul O'Connell? Um, you know, you've played alongside him for a long period of time. He's alongside you now as a coach. Uh, so, how weird, for want of a better phrase, is that as a feeling? that uh, fellow was a teammate a couple of years, years ago is now in coaching and I would imagine you know the players have a lot of respect for him oh a massive amount of respect yeah um, as a teammate up there at the best teammates you could ask for um, selfless and uh, everything that he did was with the team in mind and, and he's he's no different now um, you know he's he's worked under some of the best coaches you know over the years Um and he's strongly influenced by a couple of them, you know, very strongly influenced by, by Joe Schmidt in and around, you know, his work at the Rook and um, how he thinks about the game. And, um, you know, he's, he is, he's a brilliant, well, he's had a great impact on us so far, that's all I can say. But like, like I said, there's no point in us talking. We've got to go out and show the influence that he's had on us and, and bring the things he's asked of us to fruition. And, and hopefully, like I said, that will give us a good performance and a, and a, and a good result. Do you remember... In 2018, you, you told us after that yourself and some senior players went to Joe Schmidt with a target of the of winning the Grand Slam. Has anything like that happened since? Um, I know you you go out to try to win every game, but have you spoken as a group about a target? What's a realistic target for this campaign? Uh, yeah, well, like all, all teams do, you know, and we'll be no different to any other team. I'm sure every team sat down whenever they met up last last Wednesday for us, got together and and set some targets, goals, some values, whatever you want to call them. And yeah, we did it. Um, but again, we're not going to go shouting them from the rooftop. We 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 parked those goals and and they were very fo- fo- like I I I'm sorry I'm repeating myself, but we are so focused on on this Sunday and making sure that we we put out a performance. Um, that sort of reflects the hard work that we're doing. That's that's all our focus is on uh, at the moment. So, yeah, we've we've set some goals, um, and hopefully we can we can make them happen. How do you avoid slipping into complacency when you hear some of the talk? Maybe Wales poor season last year, Ireland maybe on a bit of a, a better trajectory, and you know we've got upset in Wales so many times over the years. But how do you avoid that? slightly slipping into the to the mindset that you may go there as, as slight favourites and Wales always seem to up their game when they face Ireland especially over there yeah I think every every international is tough you know what I mean and, and Wales I don't know if they, they've made it clear that you know I think Ireland are up on their list of most disliked teams I don't know if that current or is that past but like that's been out there but um, look 
again, it's not we don't really think about these type of things. Like we're we're honestly just so focused on 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 training at the moment. We're focused on training tomorrow, and we'll take it day by day. And um, yeah, we've had some tough encounters with Wales over. Like last time we were in Cardiff, we got hockeyed. Uh, it was a particularly dark day. Um, they ended up winning the Grand Slam that day. So that was only a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? So that's the same team with the majority of the same players. So we know deep down in here that any team can have a, a bad campaign you know at any stage or a bad game and ultimately they, you can turn things around pretty quick so we're expecting you know a, a, a top quality Welsh team um, you know when you look at the players they have through their ranks you look at Alan Wynn up front you look at uh, their halfbacks were bigger the amount of caps he's got Garth Davies the amount of caps John Davies Lee Halfpenny you know it's, they're littered with caps true true so they've so much experience and they've had highs and lows like every international player has and I'm sure they'll be in good stead you know come Sunday as well so uh, you know it's all systems going now really Johnny I just wondered what you would consider to be a successful Six Nations for Ireland you know is the emphasis going to be on performance results or, or both both, yeah, both. Um, because one, you can't get one without the other. Um, you know, first of all, it's it's looking after our performance. But you know, we don't. Every team, honestly, every team is is sat in their their different training centres, setting targets to win the Six Nations. Like you're not coming in here going, God, I hope we finish third or second. Like we're here to to try and win. Like that's the that's the name of the game with professional sport. Like so, I think that goes without saying. Um, but. How do we do that? We do that by performing well and by trying to get better from from our last outing. You know, we, we did some really good things in our last last game against Scotland. Um, we felt that we built through the Autumn Nations Cup after a disappointing end to the Six Nations, and uh, we want we want to go up a level. We want to go up uh, a couple of levels because, you know, like a previous question that was asked, we want to be able to challenge the best teams in Europe for the for the foreseeable future that's all we're going to be playing against so we want to be up there with the best uh, and that's France and England at the moment but you know you look at the Six Nations table and anyone can anyone can go out and win it I think Johnny Sexton uh, chatting during the week ahead of their clash tomorrow against Wales we'll have plenty more a Six Nations preview on the way Will O'Callaghan from News Talk will join me to preview the game we'll chat a bit about the Super Bowl as well because it's going to be a super Sunday and of course also we're going to have Paul O'Connell but it's on the way next The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Red FM Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM now, welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Valerie Wheeler, with you until 7pm tonight. It is a big, big weekend for Irish rugby and we will continue the build-up to it here on the Big Red Bench. Joining me live on the show is Will O'Callaghan from Off the Ball on News Talk. Uh, first of all, welcome, Will. It's a strange Six Nations which will happen during a pandemic. And I did read during the week that Ronald Gara has said that COVID will have a more intrusive effect on the games than people think. Yeah, and I think uh, Rog is right on this. I mean, he has seen firsthand at La Rochelle uh, what's happened there with a COVID-19 outbreak. And realistically, what tends to happen when the squad is named ahead of this tournament, you guess, everyone go into their camps, usually in groups of around 30 or so. They're preparing for the game. And if you need to bring someone into the camp, it's no big deal. You just call someone up and they come along and they join up at the training camp. Now with COVID-19, because you've got to be so careful about players going in and out 
the testing around them and you know who could be potentially be close contacts if they go back out maybe go with their provincial side it's not as easy to just pull someone in as you would have previously and we have seen two England players decide before this championship that their family comes first and they've decided not to play because of the fear of you know potentially contracting COVID-19 I'm sure for a lot of players there was probably a sit down at home to consider right I know this is my job I want to represent my country but understandably I might not want to play for various different reasons. And even in the Irish camp, I would say there was big decisions to be made for both Keane Healy, who wins his 50th cap tomorrow, and Bundy Aki, uh, who is coming back from injury, so not involved this weekend. But they both became fathers in the last couple of weeks. And it's a big ask to go into a bubble for two weeks until after the France game and to not see a child that was only delivered at the tail end of January. And I imagine for their partners, it's very difficult for them to be away you know, it's such a crucial moment in their child's life, um, having just brought them home. So uh, these are the big decisions the players have had to make. And, you know, as Ronan says, uh, there's the possibility that players could contract COVID-19 during the tournament, which could rule them out for at least a 14-day period. And despite the fact that this goes over the next seven weeks or so, it could be substantial if you're out for that period of time and then having to self-isolate. And I'm sure no more so than it's having an effect on the Premier League currently, there will be some players who will pick up COVID-19 along the way. And that's without taking into account the travel in between the UK and back to France, Italy or Ireland too, uh, where you know some of these countries have been more heavily affected by the new strains of COVID-19. It's definitely going to be a factor as this tournament goes on. Yeah, I know. And a COVID will play a part of it and we will see that. And it, look, it's not an easy decision for them to make and fair play to them for making, as you mentioned, because it's living in isolation is a lonely time and they probably don't have, you know, you can't just nip to, down for a little coffee, maybe or have the crack before a game. All that has changed so much, which will have some effect on the players as well. But look, Ireland, they are um, opening their campaign, their 2021 Six Nations campaign by Wales tomorrow. I think it would be fair to say that they probably had an inconsistent 2020, Will. Yeah, I think that's a fair way of looking at it. I kind of break the year up into two different blocks. I was at the game in Dublin when Ireland beat Wales in the second round of the championship last year. I was at the Scotland game too, where they opened up with a win. And there was this feeling that Ireland were maybe getting a bit back towards their 2018 form. They were hitting rooks hard again. And they were generally dominating possession. A lot of it coming through Jonathan Sexton, which is still a big concern. He is fit to play tomorrow is the good news. But uh, they were playing a style of rugby that was getting them victory. So they won the first two games. Then the litmus test was going to be Twickenham in February of last year. They went to Twickenham and were easily enough turned over by England who went on uh, to win the protracted championship in the autumn of last year. And you were kind of hoping from an Irish perspective that the Italy game would come around pretty quickly after that. But then COVID-19 had different ideas and the game on St. Patrick's weekend against Italy uh, didn't end up getting played until the autumn of last year. Ireland then beat Italy, got a bonus point and set themselves up with a chance to go to Paris in the last game and potentially win the championship up against a young French team. And Ireland played pretty well for kind of 28, 30 minutes of that game and then went entirely off the boil either side of half time when the championship was in the melting pot, given that England had not run up a huge scoreline in Italy earlier in the day. And then Ireland were just sloppy defensively against France, got beaten, dusted themselves off. And you're thinking, let's get a consistency of performance and some new players coming through. Because Andy Farrell has handed out first caps to 10 players uh, during his first 12 months in charge. Uh, but again, you know, Ireland were undone entirely at Twickenham. And some of the concerns that would have been there previously, particularly Ireland's defence against kicks in behind them, uh, created huge problems for them with Johnny May running tries in that day. And you just kind of wonder... Ireland's key victories were against a Scotland team who were preparing for Finn Russell to come back in 
and didn't look entirely at it at the Aviva Stadium at the start of the Six Nations. Stuart Hogg doesn't drop the ball. Scotland could have won. And then you look at the Welsh team who've been very poor in 2020. Wayne Pivak's side lost seven games out of 10. And Ireland's most significant victories, the two of them, were against the Welsh at the Aviva Stadium. And you start to wonder, were they beating a poor Wales team? And that then becomes the narrative for this Sunday is, realistically, Valerie, how much have Wales improved uh, since the autumn where Ireland you know, outscrummaged them and played a lot better, I thought, at the Aviva in the Autumn Nations Cup? Or was it a case of maybe Wales turning the corner when you see some of their 2019 Grand Slam players coming back into the team for tomorrow afternoon in Cardiff? If we do want to remain hopeful and we do want to remember the, maybe the negatives of last year and you do want to have a look at the rugby in Ireland, I mean, the four provinces have had a good start to their season, which is promising for the Ireland squad. Yeah, totally. I mean, they've been playing well in the Guinness Pro 14 and Munster and Leinster in particular at this stage, I think, look on course to reach the Pro 14 final. You know, Munster have got a very comfortable double digits lead in Conference B, while in Conference A, Leinster have had only just the one slip-up so far this year, which was against Connacht at the RDS. Aside from that, they've been running in bonus points in all their victories, except for Munster at Thoman Park. And Ulster are still kind of hanging on with Leinster currently, and Munster and Leinster should be in the last 16 of this new kind of rejigged European Cup when we get back playing at the end of the Six Nations. So you look at that, no great surprise that Munster and Leinster dominate the team for tomorrow afternoon. The good news from an Irish perspective is that Johnny Sexton is fit to lead the team because even in his absence over the last year with various injuries, nobody has really emerged as a number 10 who can take over yet from Johnny Sexton. He's 35 years of age. He takes inspiration from Tom Brady playing for Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl this coming Sunday. He hopes to play into the next World Cup in 2023. He takes very good care of himself, but the miles are ticking along for Johnny Sexton. The player who is you know, seemingly ready to step out of his shadow and become the new Ireland number 10, Joey Carberry. All of our Munster fan listeners at the moment uh, here on Red FM currently uh, will know how it's been so frustrating for um, Joey. I was in Edinburgh last year when he was just back from injury and then it's his ankle that goes after he was having previous problems with his hamstrings. He then goes to try and get fit in time for the World Cup hurts his injury, injures his ankle again against Italy in a warm-up game, probably shouldn't have went to the World Cup because he had to rush back. And Munster paid the price for Joey Carberry trying to be fit at various times for Ireland. And so therefore, we've had two years of complete stop-start uh, from Joey Carberry. Good to see him back into training, but he's a bit away from the fitness to be back at international level. It's Billy Burns who's going to be on the bench for the game tomorrow. He has played well for Ulster, uh, but when he played against England, he wasn't all that convincing at Twickenham. You know, Ross Byrne hasn't quite kind of come up to the level at international level the way he dominates games for Leinster. So number 10 is still a big question mark. Uh, Conor Murray is in to start alongside Johnny Sexton at number nine. No great surprise there. 87 caps for Murray at this point. Uh, we'll see what happens with Craig Casey, the other Munster scrum half, who I think will play a role later on in the championship. He's been called up despite not being capped. He's not on the bench for this weekend. Uh, they've opted maybe for a little bit more experience in Jameson Gibson Park. But I think Casey will probably get some game time against Italy. The other big calls on the team that was named uh, yesterday afternoon, Valerie, really, is Ty Byrne, who's been brilliant for Munster this year. He's been a turnover machine. He was brilliant in Munster's defeat against Leinster a couple of weeks ago at Thoman Park. Um, for me, it was always a question mark as to whether he would play in the second row or whether he would play at number six. And they've decided to play Ty Byrne in the second row, which I think adds a little bit of physicality and possibly some ball-winning skills in there alongside James Ryan. It's a very imposing second row that's been picked. And I'm not surprised that Byrne got the nod ahead of Ian Henderson to start. 
Uh, the back row, we knew that CJ Stander and Peter O'Mahony would be involved, but if Caelan Doris hadn't picked up a concussion playing for his province, I think Caelan Doris would have played at number eight. It's not too much of a switch for CJ Stander uh, to go back into the number eight position. Again, we get to see Peter O'Mahony on the blind side, and then Josh van der Fleer got the nod to start on the open side, ahead of Will Connors, who some people have been suspecting uh, would play on that side. Front row, tons of experience, uh, particularly on the left side of it in the loose head position in Keane Healy. His 50th game in the Six Nations. He'll make 105 caps for his country tomorrow afternoon. Rob Herring continues as the first choice hooker. And then Andrew Porter, who will play, I think, at both loose head and tight head at various times during this tournament, will start at number three. You look at the back line then, the big decision to be made there was who was going to play at fullback. Jordan Larmer, who dropped a few balls in Limerick a couple of weeks ago when they were hoisted up into the air by JJ Hanrahan. I wonder how much of an influence that had on the selection call at 15 uh, because Larmer's had issues with the ball going high and I'm sure Dan Bigger and Lee Halfpenny will be looking to put the ball into the sky in Cardiff tomorrow. So Hugo Keenan gets to play at number 15. Keith Earls wins his 89th cap on the right wing. James Lowe, despite not playing since that defeat against England at Twickenham in the Autumn Nations Cup, straight back into the team. Andy Farrell saying he's been seamless in the training camp so far, so he plays on the left wing. And the rest of the team kind of picked itself. Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw in midfield because Bundyaki's now fully fit. And then Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray is the halfback. So uh, no huge surprises, I think, um, Valerie, in terms of what was selected. But maybe there would have been some question marks about where Ty Byrne was going to play and whether James Lowe would get a start on the wing. And there's Lowe starting, despite coming in out of the cold after two weeks out with a groin injury. Does that team pose a threat to the likes of Wales? And I know tomorrow will tell a lot. And do you think a team like that will pose a threat to the likes of England? Um, England's going to be difficult. I think Ireland don't play England until the last round of the championship. Mm -hmm. So there's potentially a championship clincher there if both teams go well. Like This game is just so important because I was talking to Brian O'Driscoll during the week just about the emphasis on trying to get off to a winning start. And he was saying when you play one of the teams who are from the home nations, it adds extra pressure onto that too. Because if they lose against Wales on Sunday, and if it's another defeat in Cardiff, straight away the Grand Slam is gone on day number one. You also can't win a triple crown at that point, And you're just playing for a championship. And you've got a French team who, despite their injuries, were very impressive last autumn. And they're coming to Dublin on the 14th of February. And the complexion of the championship changes entirely. As opposed to trying to beat France to keep the door open to win a championship, you could potentially be scrapping to make sure you're not in the bottom three of the tournament. So from that point of view, it's just hugely important. The team, I think, is is quite strong. Like, realistically, there's enough players to come off the bench. And I know some of them are coming back from injury, like Dave Kilcoyne, Ty Furlong. Uh, even, you know, Jordan Larmer hasn't played a huge amount of rugby in recent weeks. But those players can come in and make an impact. I'm hoping, particularly, that the front row, uh, we get just some minutes into both Kilcoyne and into Ty Furlong because... Coin back from injury in recent weeks, Tyke Furlong has only played one game in a year. Like realistically, they need a little bit of game contact this weekend. They've gone for a split with more forwards on the bench than backs. So you're relying on Jordan Larmer probably to cover three positions, fullback, wing and centre, because there's no specialist centre on the bench. And I'm sure Billy Burns is going to get a chance to impress, because I would think Johnny Sexton probably comes off after the hour. He will no doubt sulk when he comes off. He admits he wants to play <laughs> every single minute for Ireland. And he was unapologetic about that when we spoke to him on Off the Ball last week. He said, look, I might be 35, but my intention is to play whenever I am fit and selected to play. And I want to play every single minute of every game. He says he hates not being on the pitch on the 80th minute, but I'm sure Billy Burns will get some game time against Wales at the weekend. 
I love how he's so unapologetic to it as well. You know, I think <laughs> if you were Johnny Sexton, you had that skill and talent, you're being taken off. I think I'd sulk as well, to be honest, Will. Ah, look, you're fighting against the dying of the light when you get to 35 years of age. So I'm sure Johnny Sexton is very aware. He doesn't have a huge amount of time left. And like he's going into his second championship as captain. He says he learned an awful lot from being picked up on the big screen in Paris when he threw that sulk after he was taken off against France. And he says, look, that's the kind of thing that I shouldn't be doing. But he says it goes with caring so much about trying to win is that it's difficult to hide your disappointment. He says he wouldn't have done it if he thought he was going to be picked up by the cameras, but he accepts that he was wrong in doing so. He's hoping he's a better captain. And I'm sure that Johnny Sexton is massively driven as a former World Rugby Player of the Year uh, to try and finish out as a Six Nations winning captain. I have no doubt in the kind of bucket list that Johnny Sexton would have for his career, despite all he's won throughout, winning as captain would probably mean a tremendous amount to Johnny Sexton if he can do so. Will Ireland win tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I I do still expect them to win. I mean, like Wales have been taking it from pundits either side of the Irish Sea going into this game. You know, they've been written off entirely. The bookmakers have them down as second from bottom in terms of the odds to win this. Scotland are up alongside them at this point. And then Italy, of course, the rank outsiders for the tournament. But the feeling seems to be that England are the strongest team. France are the next best. Ireland should have the best chance after that, particularly because they host England and France at home, which should be an advantage even without the crowds being there. But I look at this Wales team and I look at the experience that they've had, Valerie, and that's the one concern that you have, particularly when you look across their back row. You know, Fallis House starts with 81 caps. You've got Justin Tipperick, who's playing at blindside flanker. And on the open side, you've got Dan Lydiot, who's back in, coming in from the cold after not playing for his country uh, for two years. And he comes in to just add so much experience. You've got Lee Halfpenny, who's heading towards 100 caps playing at full back. George North, because of Jonathan Davies' injury, is having to play in the slightly strange position for him of outside centre. You look at Dan Bigger, who's played 87 times for his country at out half. And Alan Wynne-Jones, the old man of rugby at this point, 143 caps, the most capped player in international rugby. I asked him last week at the press conference if he had any kind of idea of when he thinks he might retire from international rugby or does he put any kind of time scale on it? And he said no. I said to him then, so you're just taking every season as it comes as the cliche goes. And he goes, the answer I gave you was no. That should be enough to know I want to play for my country as long as possible. So these are the kind of... Um, you know, dogs for the hard road that Wales have picked. And last year didn't go too well while they were trying to transition the rugby a little bit from the rugby under Warren Gatland. They're trying to play in a different style under Wayne Pivak. I think he's realised after seven defeats from 10 that they have to go back to some of these old stages again to try and just get some victories, maybe build morale back up. And crucially, Wales are excellent at the Principality Stadium. They didn't play so well at Clinetley last season, but the roof is completed in terms of the reconstruction at the Principality in Cardiff. They're back for their first game in a while there. They hold a tremendous record against Ireland in the tournament in Cardiff. Ireland have not won there since 2013. And I'm sure that's going to be getting drummed home to the Irish team. As much as Wales feel like they might be a slightly wounded animal with the way they've played over the last year, these players beat Ireland quite comprehensively in March of 2019 to win a Grand Slam. I don't think things go south as quickly as we may think that they have. Even if Wales have had a bad year, you can rely back on players who've won a tremendous amount over the last decade to give Ireland a real fight this coming weekend, this coming Sunday. And like I think tomorrow, Valerie, Ireland will win probably by a score, but I'd be surprised if they win by more than five points in the game. I, this one's going to be an arm wrestle as the last few games between Wales and Ireland have been. 
Look, we look extremely forward to it. We welcome any live sport that we can watch at the moment. I'm sure a lot of people will be sitting down in the comfort of their own home enjoying the game tomorrow. But um, thanks for previewing the game with us, Will. But not only will people be sitting down to watch the rugby, but there's something else, probably a bigger sporting event in the calendar is the Super Bowl tomorrow night. And it's funny that you mentioned Johnny Sexton getting inspiration from Tom Brady because we had Patrick Horgan on earlier on in the show and he too finds um, some inspiration from Tom Brady. I mean, he's 43 years of age. He wants to keep going till he's 45. Patrick Horgan's 33. And he, he said that he thinks he's another four or five years left in him. And Tom Brady just seems to be some animal that keeps going. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, you know, Patrick Horgan still has 10 years on Tom Brady. So if Patrick Horgan is still hurling inter-county at 43, he's gone into Christy Ring territory at that point. But yeah, I think, um, you know, players take care of themselves a lot now, Valerie, at this point. You know, they're very... Uh, kind of gym-driven by comparison to players of old. I know a lot of hits are taken, uh, but I would hope in the case of, say, Patrick Horgan and some of the older players, particularly that kind of class of 2007, 2008 that were coming to senior hurling, you're looking at the likes of Joe Canning and TJ Reid, who've lit up the championship in recent years, who are coming into the last couple of years, probably, of their inter-county career. You would hope that maybe the shortened season last year and what could be a shortened season this year might just extend their career out a little bit longer. But in terms of the Super Bowl, it's remarkable. Tom Brady just defies old father time every year because he's going to his 10th Super Bowl. He had six wins from nine when he was with the New England Patriots. And the one charge against Tom Brady was that he spent 20 years with the New England Patriots. He always had the consistency of Robert Kraft being there as an owner who would provide a team around Brady to give him the weapons to win Super Bowls. And they had one of the greatest coaches of all time in the NFL in Bill Belichick. And maybe it took a little bit away from Brady because people always said it's Brady and Belichick. It's not just Brady. And New England weren't willing to gamble on a longer contract for Tom Brady. They were willing to allow him to go into free agency last summer. And he decided, OK, I'm going to go somewhere new. Turns up at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay hosting the Super Bowl this year. Wanted to put a championship team together if they possibly could. And they signed players that Tom Brady wanted, like Gronk. And they were also willing to bring in Antonio Brown, who were quite friendly with Tom Brady. And they provided a team who can also run the ball to take the pressure off Brady having to throw it long. So it's, it's an incredible Super Bowl because you've got arguably the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. Because it's so hard to argue about what he's won. And like, I'm not old enough to have remembered the great quarterbacks in the 60s and 70s. But certainly in kind of my time frame of watching the NFL there's been no better winner in the league than Tom Brady. And Tom Brady is remarkable when he gets to big games, particularly, with the exception probably against the New York Giants, but that's another story. But they come up against the Kansas team. We've got Patrick Mahomes, you know, probably the most dynamic quarterback in the NFL, into just his third season as a player in the league. But his stats compare with Brady 10 years ago when Brady was probably at his peak. So there is this feeling that it could be the GOAT against the mini-GOAT this weekend. And Kansas City have been able to keep the players that brought them to a championship last year around, which is the most difficult challenge, is to try and go back-to-back in um, the NFL. And, you know, two out of three seasons, uh, Tom Brady won Super Bowls when he was at New England. Patrick Mahomes could possibly match that and even have the extra special achievement of going back-to-back this weekend. You think Wales against Ireland is going to be close, I'm finding the Super Bowl almost impossible to call this Sunday. I think this one is going to be equally an arm wrestle. And earlier in the week, I was thinking, Mahomes gets this done. His concussion is behind him. He played very well in the conference game a couple of weeks ago. He's had an extra week to uh, rest up because of the Pro Bowl game last week. 
And I'm just thinking Mahomes is going to get Kansas over the line. Kansas have been the best team all season. So therefore, even playing, you know, not at 100%, they've been winning games. And then you start to just wonder, you know, Tampa Bay, despite not having a kind of a riotous home crowd, which they may have had pre-COVID, I just get the feeling now as the week goes on, and now we're speaking on Saturday evening, that Tampa Bay might well do this tomorrow night. So uh, if you like the weekend, you get to see them at half time. That's an extra benefit if you're not all that interested in the NFL itself. Uh, but I think this could be a really good game. This could be a Super Bowl for the ages. That's not just uh, me being a hype machine here. Uh, but I think you could see a really, really special game. I don't think it needs a huge amount of hype. And the other good news, Valerie, as well, is that there are going to be some fans in attendance and quite a few of the people who will be there tomorrow are Florida frontline workers who've been basically out there on the front line with COVID-19 uh, trying to keep people safe. And they've been rewarded with free tickets to go to the Super Bowl. So the NFL don't always do PR very well. Uh, but I think they've made the right decision by allowing those people to attend the game. Uh, so get your nachos, hot dogs, everything else that you might want uh, ready tomorrow. I'm sure Rory's going to have a big preview on uh, Sunday's show. Uh, but after that, get yourself a nap. Uh, maybe rest up after watching uh, Wales and Ireland and maybe Man City against Liverpool. Have a nap. Get up around half past 11. You don't need all of the preview material before it. Watch the game and be prepared to be up till about half three or four o'clock because this will stretch on even without a crowd in attendance, Valerie. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. And before I let you go, I'm going to leave you to some, some strange facts that a betting company in America has planned and has kind of pre-planned what's going to happen. So I mentioned this to Patrick okay. Horgan earlier on the show. 1.3 billion chicken wings will be consumed tomorrow in America because of the Super Bowl. 14 billion burgers and 22,700 pigs worth of bacon will be eaten during the Super Bowl tomorrow in America. I mean, craziness. Absolutely. That's pretty, that's pretty gluttonous and very, very impressive indeed. If you're having your chicken wings, Valerie, how hot <laughs> do you go with the sauce? Oh, extremely hot. Bring it on. The hotter, the better, Will. <laughs> the hotter, the better. There you go. I'm always hoping I can be a guest on Hot Wings on YouTube at some point. So <laughs> maybe you have to come along with me if you can take the particularly hot one. Like, I like hot sauce too, but I can't go beyond some of these kind of ghost peppers that the guys take on that show. So you might be the one to take the ghost pepper bullet for me on that. Brilliant. Well, Will, it's been great having you on the show and thank you so much and enjoy enjoy the Sunday worth of sport. I'm sure we'll be chatting to you at some stage again. My pleasure. A great Sunday of sport ahead. Looking forward to it and uh, thanks a million for having me on. Will O'Callaghan from Off the Ball and News Talk previewing tomorrow's Six Nations game for Ireland and of course the Super Bowl tomorrow night. What a great Sunday ahead. But I have some better news and it's getting me even more excited for tomorrow. So Scotland have beaten England 11-6 in their opening Guinness Six Nations fixture. I mean, 38 years since they beat them and taken them. Joe Rawson was there. Full-time England 6, Scotland 11. It's a historic day for Scottish Rugby Union. They have ended their 38-year wait for a win here at Twickenham. And you have to say, it's fully deserved. There was just one try scored by Bandamura in the first half, but Finn Russell's assured kicking took Gregor Townsend's team over the line. And in truth, they should have scored far more points than they actually did. For England, well, only Owen Farrell's two penalties got them on the scoreboard. The defending champions looked rusty 
indisciplined and they conceded far too many penalties. They will have to improve a lot if they are to defend their title. The Calcutta Cup goes the way of Scotland. Full time here, England 6, Scotland 11. Wow, I mean, that blows the Six Nation right open. It is great to have it back. A lovely distraction. And we're going to continue the coverage. Uh, Paul O'Connolly, he was appointed Ireland's forward coach. And let's get what he had to say during the week. He caught up with some media. Yeah, well, look, I, I'd be in contact with Andy. I, I was in the camp last year. Uh, I'd be in contact with Simon and a few of the other coaches as well. Um, so Andy asked me after the autumn, Nations would I be interested in getting involved um, I took a few weeks to think about it and and decided it, it was the right thing for me to do you know I I feel I can offer value I, I have an awful lot to learn certainly as a coach but I felt uh, you know I could immediately offer value to the coaching staff and to the players um, and it's a great opportunity I think international coaching is it's very different you know you get that development opportunity you get a chance to reflect you get a chance to improve uh, during the times where you're not coaching and you're not stuck in a tournament but when you're in the middle of a tournament it's full on Um, so yeah I I suppose the big reason is uh, you know I felt I could offer value my I suppose my recent connection to playing is is you know, you could say it's a weakness, but it's. I think it's a bit of a strength as well. You're, you're you're still clued into what a player feels and how a player learns and how hard it can be to learn at times and to change a habit. So, um, so that was it. I mean, I, I was excited the minute he rang me, um, and I think he's got a really good environment here. The players enjoy it incredibly. They're very, um, I suppose, a very collaborative approach which I would have seen when I was in with them last year and whenever I speak to the players, whenever I've met them. So it was a great environment to, enjoy, to, to join and, and it ex- the, the opportunity excited me. I would imagine from your point of view, it's a very much a hands-on role. I mean, I saw some of the footage of the game that they had against Ulster. Um, you know, you'd whistle one hand, hat in your head to stay warm. It looked as if you were very much kind of involved in the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, look, it's very collaborative. It's amazing how much coaching the players actually do themselves, um, how, how educated they are on what's happening, uh, you know, on opposition, on what's happening in the world of rugby, what what we need to do and how we have to deliver it. Um, so that's very enjoyable for me, but it's also a challenge for me. You know, you want to be in there running the whole show, but... Um, you know, Andy has us questioning the players, checking for understanding all the time. And you know, when players understand something, they have a better chance of delivering it physically, and uh, and that's something he's big into. But yeah, I suppose look forwards coaching and, and the way Andy does things, everyone is hands on. Um, so you have to be in, in the middle of it. Do you feel in an area like the lineouts that you will have an immediate impact and that it will be better on Sunday? Um, I, I certainly, you know, I, I certainly hope I'll have an impact in the lineout. But a big part of lineout is is, is experience. You, you know, to be able to see pictures and and have the feel of what's going to happen before it happens. You need to be there a lot. You need to see it. Um, you probably need to have a bad few days and learn from them. And uh, you know, I think the Ireland lineout has been pretty good. There's been a few high-profile losses right on right on the opposition line, and they're. You know they're 
I suppose they're very expensive. You know, you can lose a line out on the halfway. You may not have scored from it anyway. You, you know, you you haven't an amazing chance of scoring for it. But if you have a line out five meters out, it's an important line out. So they, they've been high profile losses for the line out, and it's been a big learning curve for the players. I mean, I would have went through that as a player as well. Um, and you can do all the analysis and try and put all the systems in place. There is a feel um, to it, and there is a bit of experience allows you to see the pictures quickly so um, so that's important for the players uh, it's an area I've an interest in uh, you know familiar with the system that we would use it's evolved from when I played um, but I suppose that there's a little bits and pieces in in all the provinces that we we steal and poach off each other so I have a familiarity with the system um, so yeah, it's 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 you know I like to think I can offer value there. Uh, it takes a bit of pressure off Simon, obviously as well. That was a big part for me to be able to come in and know there'd be a, a really good handover because he was moving to defence, um, and you have that. You know anything you do or you see that we've done in the past, you're able to find out the real reason it was done because Simon is beside you. So, um, so that makes the transition easier as well. And one of the aspects, obviously, is dealing with injuries. Obviously, we got the news today about Quinn Rue and Caelan Doris. What kind of setback is that and how long will they be out for? I don't know how long they'll be out for. Um, uh, Caelan's obviously flagged concussion symptoms, so he's gone back to Leinster. He'll go through the procedures and protocols there and get checked. And, um, uh, you know, Quinn has a neck injury, so he'll have to go back and get checked. You know, there are two injuries you don't ever want to be messing around but you have to be careful so um, I'm not sure we've no length of time on either of them and it's 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 frustrating for them and, and uh, frustrating for us Caelan's obviously a fantastic player I would have worked with him in the under 20s he was, he was incredible and uh, he has that X factor and, and you need those players in world rugby now um, Quinn I played against Quinn towards the end of my time um, uh, and he was excellent uh, we had a big we had a laugh about my last game I think against Connacht I lost to him in the sports ground and he was brilliant that day and he's a big man um, great ideas in the line out you know so well coached by Jimmy Duffy up in Connacht so it's been disappointing not to have him in um, or not to have him in now going forward but we have no time frame on when they'll be back that was Paul O'Connell, uh, Ireland's forward coach, chatting ahead of tomorrow's game against Wales, of course. Uh, that is it for me tonight on the Big Red Bench. If you missed any of it, I will be podcasting with Patrick Horgan, with Willow Callahan from Off the Ball, and with Johnny Sex, and of course, Paul O'Connell. But back tomorrow night is Rory. He's going to have Tomas O'Leary, and everything got to do with the Six Nations. Of course, he's going to have the Admiral's head coach on the Super Bowl, and Cork snooker sensation Aaron Hill will be on the show so it's all very exciting I'll be back next week from 6pm on Saturday but on the way next is CVG Slán Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM